Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. Luke chapter 1. Oh, we have reached a declarative attribute of our great God that is perfect for us coming to the Lord's table. And that attribute is our God is incarnational. Our God became a man so that you could see Him up close and personal. And we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. As my brother, my double brother here in this congregation, has in recent weeks on this subject enjoyed the fact that we have an image of the invisible God. Now he told us to make no images, likenesses, or similitudes of anything because he was going to do so. And he did so in the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. My brethren, we can talk about creation, we can talk about providence, we can look at his law and see the character of our God from those things, but it's in Jesus Christ we see the most. And in a few minutes, follow me. And then we'll come to the table where God shed his blood for your soul. And that is the terminology that the Bible uses. Tis mystery all, we're going to sing, the immortal dies. Tis mystery all, but it's revealed to us. We know how he did it. Luke chapter 1, an angel has come and is addressing Mary and telling her that she's going to bring forth a son because she had found favor with God, beginning in verse 30. She tells the angel, how shall this be, in verse 34, seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Mary had a holy thing that we call the Son of God. We know His name. It was Jesus of Nazareth, the prophesied and promised Messiah and Christ of Israel. He is the Son of God, and He is our Lord. This is the ultimate declarative attribute of God. God is not content living in and with Himself. He created creatures, and He has revealed Himself to them. He has manifested Himself to them. The heavens declare the glory of God. His providence of rain, sunshine, and food fills our hearts with gladness, and it is a witness. His law testifies of His goodness and His wisdom and understanding, but it's in the incarnate Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that we most fully see and know Him. The Lord God Jehovah has revealed Himself in the unique person of Jesus of Nazareth. He is so truly God that He bears God's names and has God's works ascribed to Him. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ created all things. So he has God's works ascribed to him. Yet he is so fully human that he 
bears all human attributes except for one, a sin. He is fully God. He's fully man. And in him, we can see God. And let me share some of the verses with you that I hope will make this precious to you. These are verses you know, but we're looking at them in a slightly different way to appreciate them a little bit more. That this God, this distant, huge, eternal, independent, infinite being became a man that was finite in one place at one time, did not know all things, but always pleased his father perfectly and willingly laid down his life for his enemies to redeem them to God and to make atonement for them so that we can be at one with God. This is our Lord Jesus Christ, and we celebrate his death We remember his death in just a few moments. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. There is no doubt about this subject that it is lofty and very high. And how does it start? God was manifest in the flesh. Remember, I had wanted to call these the manifestative attributes of God. But in case you found that word difficult, I changed it to declarative, and it may not make any difference even then. But notice, God was manifest. Now, God manifested himself, according to Romans chapter 1, in creation. And he's manifested himself different ways, but he manifested himself in a man. There's a man sitting in heaven right now at the right hand of God. He's not 60 feet tall. He's a man. He's a glorified man that walked on earth that was recognized as a man. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Mary, the Son of David. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. But He's a man, and He's God in and through and with a man for us to see the character of God flowing through Him. And this is as high as we're ever going to get in seeing and knowing God is in Jesus Christ what we can read about Him, and in Jesus Christ what we're going to see of Him when we see Him face to face. We're going to see God's glory. John fell at His feet as dead. We're going to see His compassion. He felt His hand on His shoulder immediately thereafter. Fear not. Write the things that I'm showing you and put them in a book. In Revelation chapter 1. Oh, I love this verse right here. You know I do. 1 Timothy 3.16, there's no doubt about this matter. This godliness, this doctrine of the true religion, this mystery that's been revealed to us, it's not a mystery to us, God was manifest in the flesh. The, The most fantastic and infinite being that's ever been called God, Jehovah of the Bible, became a man. Credible. Right. To reveal himself. There wasn't any other way to reveal himself to us. It was staggering to see him. He turned Mount Sinai into a blast furnace. But in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see all of him. Look at John chapter 1. Micaiah, pay attention. Daddy wasn't doing anything wrong. 
He and I just read from John 1 this morning. That's why I said that. Micaiah, you too, Timothy, don't feel left out. Pay attention. John 1, look at these verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and get this down forever. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. This is the Creator God that we're having described to us in these three verses. John chapter 1. But look at verse 14. And the Word, that is God, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. What glory? The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word, which was God, was made flesh, and in that flesh God being, we saw the glory of God the Father, and we saw grace and truth of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. Matthew 1.23 is a quotation from Isaiah 7.14 where God would give Israel a sign that a virgin would bring forth a son and his name would be called Emmanuel. And so we read the New Testament version in Matthew 1.23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. That's Mary from Luke 1.30-35. And shall bring forth a son... And they shall call his name Emmanuel. And thank you, Lord, for this help, which being interpreted is God with us. That God, so far away, so immense, so eternal, so infinite, incomprehensible, unsearchable, with us. God walked on this planet for 33 and a half years. That God, Jehovah God, we don't believe that the Word of God is a begotten God. We reject all of that nonsense. It is Jehovah. Thank you, Lord, for being made flesh. His condescension to humanity is incomprehensible. Look at Philippians chapter 2 with me. This was a, a word and a subject of great pleasure to me in studying his condescension him coming down to us it trumps everything in profane history sacred history that God would become man passing the angels blowing right through them and coming down to us at our level and what does the Bible have to say about this we ought to get down with one another condescend to men of low estate but you know the truth don't you about that That when you condescend to a man of low estate, when you find some really low, poor person and you condescend to him, it's entirely a lateral move. You do understand that, don't you? You wouldn't by looking at some people, how they're unable to get down. God came down to us. That's a demotion. You getting down to someone else is a lateral move. If it's not a promotion for you. I hope you all understand my words. I know I'm harsh. I grieve about it every week of my life. 
But if I'm a little bit like Elijah and John the Baptist, then I'll be content. Because I don't want to be like Joel Osteen or anyone like him. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you. That's why I said what I said. Because we want to be like what we're about to read. And this is the ultimate act of condescension. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God because he was, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Not only did he take upon himself of no reputation to become a man, he dipped below that, that as a man, he would submit himself to a crucifixion death of the cross, to hang naked before the populace, the citizens of Jerusalem. Of course, there's more in that passage. When the man Christ Jesus did that for you and me, he was rewarded. There's a reward for the righteous. And the reward for Jesus Christ is listed in verses 9 through 11. But that's not my subject for right now. There's other verses that we could turn to. I God condescended. And he that inhabits eternity and dwells upon the lofty throne of heaven will come down to be with everyone that is of a broken and a contrite heart. Isaiah 57, 15, Isaiah 66 and verse 2. It's unbelievable what the God of heaven will do. But the main demonstration of it is in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Look at John 1, 18. Let's go back to that first chapter of John. I didn't overlook it. It just wasn't right yet. John chapter 1 and the 18th verse. No man has seen or can see God, but we can and will see Jesus. And the men who wrote our Bibles saw him before and after his resurrection, who wrote our New Testaments. That was the qualification to be able to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. John 1.18. I read you verse 14 already where the word was made flesh. But now look at verse 18. No man hath seen God at any time. So this being, Jehovah, that I'm trying to tell you about, that I want you to know, no man has ever seen him, and no man ever will see him. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. That is why it is a declarative attribute. He has declared God in his words, in his works, in his character, in his conduct, in his compassion. He declared God. It's how we know God the best is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some will say that this verse should read, no man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten God which is the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. That's the New American Standard Version used by Bob Jones University. Our God is not begotten in any sense of the word. No part of God is begotten in any sense of the word. There is a begotten Son, but no begotten God. 
the Lord Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son, but He is Jehovah God Himself. And He is not a begotten God. Look at John 14 and verse 9. Verses that I have used with you already in this series, but which this time I'll show you. Verse 8, John 14, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? I read in my Bible, in Isaiah 9, 6, that it says, This son that's going to be born is going to be called the Mighty God and the Everlasting Father. Turn to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. This is God's greatest declarative act. It is unknown in profane history, sacred It's unbelievable that Jehovah became flesh and walked among men. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. For in Him, speaking of Christ, which is the last word of verse 8, Colossians 2, 9, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In the, in the holy thing that was born of Mary, the body of Jesus of Nazareth, in that dwelt the fullness of the Godhead. Not a begotten God, but God. The Word of God. God with us. God manifest in the flesh. This is His greatest declaration, is to see and know the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Oh, the Apostle Paul, when he writes, he always starts out, Paul. Until he's writing an audience that doesn't want to know, Paul wrote it. Then how does he start out? When he doesn't have to, when he doesn't have to introduce himself to his audience, how does he start out? How do you think he starts out? God. Oh, don't, my favorite book. Oh, I, Lord, I know that your divine library, they're all on the same shelf. And I, I do love them all, but I do love Hebrews. God, who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, that some measure of revelation, that some man, manner of manifestation and declaration, but it's not very good, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, because he's a man, by whom also he made the worlds, because he's God, who being the brightness of his glory. Get a load of that. He is the brightness of God's glory. God had to show Moses his backsides because his glory was too much, but through Jesus Christ it's veiled enough for us to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And the express image of his person. Do you really want to know what God is like? Then learn Jesus of Nazareth. The express. Do you know what express means? It's not obscure. It's not missing details. It's not vague. It's very clear. 
It's not shadowy like the Old Testament's going to be described throughout this book of Hebrews. He's the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen. Yes, and don't you forget those words by himself, though they're not in any other English translation. They're in the King James Bible, and I kind of like them in Hebrews 1.3, and I kind of understand why they don't want them there. And I hope that you can figure that out without me chasing that rabbit. But look at these words. God, He did it by prophets in the Old Testament. He's done it by His Son. He's the brightness of His glory and the express image of his person. Look at Colossians chapter 1. That is not the only time such language is used by our beloved brother Paul. Colossians chapter 1. It's This passage is speaking of God's dear Son. In verse 13, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1.14. Now verse 15. Who is the image of of the invisible God. You can't see God. No one has seen Him. You'll never see Him. But you'll see Jesus Christ. And He is the image of the invisible God. So while we're preaching under one category, God's invisible. And while I've got to say horrible words, you can't see God. Look what He's done for us. Does He want you to see Him? He wants you to see as much of Him as He can give you that you can handle. So He gives us the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. He has the preeminence of the firstborn. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. I like this description. All things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. The God-man, right there. The one that 2.9 said, in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I kind of like the attributes of God. I kind of like the declarative attributes of God. Because he's revealed himself to me in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want you to think that's the only place it's mentioned. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. God has shined a bright light to you to see Him in the person of Jesus Christ, the image of God. And he's at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding for us every day. He can be touched with the feelings of all your infirmities, Amen. was tempted in every point like you are, but without sin. He is man and he is God. God is his Father by direct and act upon Mary. He has a great role of intercession. And God listens to his beloved son. And he loves us. He lived our lives for us. He kept every, perf every commandment of God. And then he laid down his life for us. This is your Savior. This is God in the flesh. If you want to see and know God, 
and that is the whole purpose of this study, then you want to view his greatest declarative attribute and act, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. I hope you know that I'm not as foolish to think that baboons reveal everything I want to know about God. Nor a sunrise, nor a sunset. Nor a little bit of thunder, nor a big turkey dinner that's the result of him sending sunshine and rain on the earth. Uh Uh-uh. Not waterlogged Egyptian bodies floating up on the shore of the Red Sea for Miriam to dance around. It's for a man to cry out on a cross that it is finished. And the veil of the temple, a, a hand's breadth in thickness, rent 60 feet from top to bottom. And the way open in the presence of God, because God is saying to you and to me, know me. Seek my face. Spend eternity with me. I have done it all through my son for you. It's finished. That's where we see God. That is love beyond description. It is not a turkey dinner. It is not the pretty feathers of a peacock. It's the glory of the Son of God on the cross. And our God is so merciful, He doesn't want my firstborn. David, you're safe, and I'm not jesting. He does not want my firstborn, nor the fruit of my wife's womb. He wants this. Now that's incredible. He should get everything out of us. He's going to from me. I'm going to burn myself out for him. The best way to go would be a big one while I'm serving him. But he doesn't ask for, he asks for this, the Lord's table. A little bit of bread, a little bit of wine. Remember, until I come for you. God is coming for me in the person of Jesus Christ. You say, well, what do you mean knowing God through Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus stood there and the Jews were picking on him that he wasn't anything like Abraham. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. You want to know about eternity? Well, that gives you a timeline. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. Way way back here, Abraham. And before Abraham was, I am. So you can learn about the eternity of God by looking at the life of Jesus Christ. His immutability? What does immutability mean? Unchangeable. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Now those are inherent attributes. His omnipotence. My Lord Jesus fed 5,000 men beside women and children. 4,000 on another occasion, and they had to gather up baskets full later. He could cast out devils with the command of his speech, and they would come out right then, right there. He could calm storms by saying, Peace, be still. Now, we're not talking about little children. We're talking about a storm at sea. You afraid of storms? Then just get out there and look at it through the window, or get outside, which is better, and just say, Peace, be still, or read it. Now, you can't calm it like he can, but he can. He's just whispering to you anyway. He raised the dead. That's omnipotence. 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's power in Jesus Christ. What about His righteousness? When you look at Him purging the temple, how much did He love the pure worship of God? How about when He exposed the Jews and their hypocrisy on so many occasions? How about damning their religion and saying, how can you escape the damnation of hell? The nation knew they were hypocrites. Jesus exposed it. That's his righteousness. Do you want to see his sovereignty? Consider sheep and goats. When he puts the goats at his left hand and the sheep at his right hand, he's sovereign. How about referring to those that the Father gave him were the ones that he came to earth for? The Lord Jesus Christ knew that he had judgment given to him by his Father. How about saying that the blind leading the blind is okay to him? Leave him alone. Let the Pharisees lead the blind into the ditch. Do you want to see his grace? Do you want to see the grace of God? Then let's go to the synagogue in Nazareth and hear Jesus Christ preach and then sit down and have the whole assembly of wicked reprobates wonder at the gracious words that came out of his mouth right. in Luke four twenty-two. You want to see the grace of God? Then hear a prayer of a man who wasted his life on the cross of Calvary, say, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. That is the grace of God right. right there. How many works? How much baptism? What kind of church membership did the thief on the cross have? Do you want to see his truth? Then look to the woman of Samaria in John 4, or Pilate when he was on trial, or the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, and you'll learn all about the truth of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you want to see His holiness? Then watch Him in the desert with the devil himself, tempting Him, responding every time with the sword of the Spirit which we're supposed to use against the devil ourselves. Watch Him in Gethsemane with God, saying, Not my will, but thine be done. That is holiness at its purest level through the Lord Jesus Christ, from a man. That is God in a man. You want to see his mercy? Then look at the great sinner in Luke chapter 7. That woman who was known to be a great sinner and all the men at the table were hating her in their hearts. And he defended her in front of all of them and rebuked his host and made a comparison between the two of them that one was far more righteous than the other. Don't you worry about your sins. You just worry about your confession. That's his mercy. How about an adulterous woman? Taken in adultery. Go and sin no more. What comfort. How about sleeping apostles? Three times in one night when he needed the most. Have you ever slept when you should have prayed? Have you ever slept when you should have heard a sermon? That's his mercy. How about his executioners? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What would you have said? I would have said the first word the same. Father, incinerate them in hell. That's why you don't want me to be your God or your Savior or your priest. And I say all that to glorify God. Right. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Simon Barjona, lovest thou me? Feed my sheep. You're still mine. 
and you're my chosen minister. Now get out there and comfort the sheep and the lambs of my kingdom. You want to talk about the mercy of God? How can I show you the mercy of God any better than showing you the Lord Jesus Christ? What about the vulnerability of God, you ask me? Is the vulnerability of God seen in the Lord Jesus Christ? How about a Canaanite woman that came to him and knew that she was a dog to the Jews and begged and the disciples tried to kick her away. And the Lord Jesus himself said initially, is it right to give the children's bread to dogs? Did she keep on just a little bit longer? Did she get everything she wanted? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because God is vulnerable. And he's vulnerable in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. How about a woman with an issue of blood that had spent all her living with physicians and was no better off but was made worse? Did she sneak through the crowd? And do you feel that sometimes your praying is probably about this weighty? Sneaking through the crowd. If I can just but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she reaches between the legs and she touches the hem of his garment. And she was made whole. And then she was really scared because Jesus said, as 15 different people touched him at once, who touched me? And she came trembling. Thy faith hath made thee whole. That is God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you read the Gospels for. The little widow woman that came and tossed two mites in the treasury. Jesus are. You want to talk about omniscience that sees all the little things? Then see the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the wisdom and prudence of God. It's called that in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 8. That the salvation we have in Jesus Christ is the display of the wisdom and prudence of God to come up with such a scheme of salvation. And it's made for the principalities and powers in heavenly places to see the love that he has for us and the incredible design of a way of salvation of saving us and not them. Ephesians 3.10 This is God displaying his love to us and wanting us to know him and wanting the angels to know about his love of us because they're our servants. The wages of sin is death, but who could die to undo Adam's legal sins and your countless sins? How could it be arranged? Who could die? Angels don't have flesh and blood. Who could die? The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth it must die. Who could die? He's immortal. He only hath immortality. How does he pull it off? We see in the preaching of the gospel, two things. 1 Corinthians 1.24 But unto them which are called, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God to design such a way of salvation, the power of God to get it done. To have Mary give birth to a baby without knowing a man. For that man to grow up and to lay down his life on the cross for our sins and for God to raise him from the dead. And sit him at his own right hand. How could God, the holy God, who is alone perfectly holy, ever be satisfied for you and me? By his righteous servant. In Isaiah 53, 10 through 12. He shall see of the travail of his soul. 
and shall be satisfied. So much does this show God's nature and will that it speaks of the blood of God in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, who hath purchased us with his own blood, referring to God in Acts 20, 28. God has no blood, but he sure did in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we sing with Charles Wesley, "'Tis mystery all, the immortal dies." And in the Lord Jesus Christ, we see the immortal God dying for us by being made flesh for us, manifest in the flesh, God with us. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person. What else do you want to know about Him? I give you the Lord Jesus Christ.